Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here at Community Baptist Church this morning. It's good to share the time of uh, fellowship and worship together as we uh, have come together to worship our Lord. We're glad that you're here. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're happy that you've uh, chosen to join us today and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row and the, uh, the purple folder there. I'd like to ask, if you would, to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Uh, put your name, address, phone number on there. And if you'd like to receive our email newsletter each week, please be sure to put your email uh, address on there. and We'll get you on the list to do that. It's a great way to keep up with the activities here at Community Baptist Church. Speaking of activities, uh, let me call your attention to some that we have going on. Uh, tonight, we will be having our uh, volleyball and pizza night. We'll be meeting here at 6 o'clock and having a good time of uh, volleyball and pizza. Uh, we've moved it up to 5. 5 o'clock? Yes. Oh. Uh, there's, no choir there's no choir practice? Okay. All right. 5 to 7. I've been corrected. It'll be at 5 o'clock tonight instead of 6 o'clock. So um, hope you'll be here and, and we'll have a good time this evening. Uh, also, next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, and you may notice in the uh, bulletin that we have uh, misspelled that. It's S-O-U-P-E-R, and uh, that's, that's kind of on purpose. We're going to be meeting here next Sunday. The game starts around 5.30. Bring your favorite game food, and also bring a can of soup that we can give to the uh, Christian Outreach for that night as well. That way it will truly be a... Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, okay. A <laughs> um, couple of other things. Uh, Susie Painter, the uh, director, executive director of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, uh, will be here in uh, western Kentucky uh, in February. And the closest that she will be to us will be uh, Third Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, on uh, February the 14th. And we are all invited to share lunch with her that day. It's a good opportunity. She's fairly new in her position as the director of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And it's a good opportunity for us to uh, get to know her and get a feel for her vision and ask her questions. And, and uh, it, it's a good opportunity for us to be there. So I hope that you can join us for lunch on February the 14th over in Owensboro. Um, there is a, a link that you, you'll need to uh, access to make a reservation. They need to know how many people are coming, so please do that. I've already made my reservation, and if we get a group, we could probably uh, carpool over there, and, uh, and it'll be a, a good day. And one more thing, on February the 12th, we'll be having our blood drive here at the church, and if you would like to give blood, then see Jika, and she will sign you up for that. She'll make an appointment for you. It's great to be here. It's great to see your smiling faces today. And so let us smile at each other and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
up your hearts. Let us proclaim what we believe. We find a faith in Jesus who lives among us, who calls us together to understand life and love as a radical commitment to others. We have faith in one God who created and claimed all creatures, who enters our lives with hope and redemption, and encouraged to act on our beliefs. We know that God's presence comes to us in community. Wherever we seek to know God by doing justice and love and mercy. Once we were no people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Because all things are possible through God's love, we proclaim the gospel in this world. For God is still creating, redeeming, and making things whole. Amen. Let it be. Today's reading is from Matthew, chapters 4, verses 18 through 20. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Now, there are some that are up on the East Coast or the West Coast that make a living as fishing. So they go out and they fish, and what they bring in, instead of maybe when your dad goes fishing, do you eat what he fish, what he catches? These people sell their fish, and that's how they make a living. Now, what if somebody came by and asked your parents to quit working, making their living, and follow them so that you could teach people about God's love? You think that'd be pretty hard to just lay it down? Well, in what John just read to us, these two brothers were fishermen, and that's the way they made their living. They cast their nets out. Have you seen the movie Finding Nemo? Do you remember the part where they have the big net that's out in the water and all those creels are in there, those, those fish, and, and she gets in, Dory gets in there and says to swim the other way? Well, those are fishermen, and they're casting that big net out there and getting a whole lot of fish to sell so we can eat fish. You know, you may go and get a fish sandwich at Long John Silver, or you may eat a fish sandwich at McDonald's, and that's where it comes from. But on this day, these two brothers were fishing, and that's the way they'd cast their nets out there and their fishing rods. And they said, put them down and follow me, because we're going to catch better things. So what better things could you think you could catch than fish? Huh? Butterflies? Hmm. Maybe. Here. I brought a fishing pole, and the bait that I have on it is a magnet. So, I want to see if you can catch anything. One at a time. You do it. You go first. And see what you can catch. They might want to... Get that, use your bait. You've got to have the right tools and the right bait. Almost. Almost. You caught it. You caught it. Now, what is that? Here, let's let Miss Mary read it, what you caught. Gracie caught. Tell my people I love them. Okay, give the fishing pole to me. I can catch it. What up, All right, hand it to Miss Mary. All right. (laughs) All right. No help for Joe.
You want to? Tell my people I love them. Okay. So what can you, you as fisher people, how can you go out and catch? The very same thing. The very same thing. Each one of them says the very same thing. So, so as fishermen, how can you use the, what kind of bait can you use to tell people that, that uh, God loves them? A smile, showing them you love them, helping them out. It's our job as fishermen to tell the world that the one we know loves us loves them too. Okay? So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we have so many talents and so much to use to tell the world of your love. Help us each day to share your word and your love to those who do not know you. Amen. God of heaven, of earth, and of all people, the abundant and the abandoned. You call us to greatness, to leave behind our preoccupations, and to follow you into the future with passion. Sometimes we don't hear your call because we may be focused too closely on ourselves. Other times we may just not be listening. Much of the time we're too comfortable maybe even complacent in our present. Kindle a fire in our hearts and spirits full of generous giving to your ministries here in the community of Henderson and beyond. 
May this act of giving be a gesture of our willingness to follow where you lead us. For the gifts are yours already, and we offer them back to you today with thanksgiving, praise, and all full of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Max Lucado, in his book titled In the Eye of the Storm, tells about something that happened to him when he was a teenager. It seems that every year he and his family would go out uh, fishing during spring break, but uh, one year his brother and his mom couldn't go, so his dad let him invite a friend. So Max and his dad looked forward to this vacation with great anticipation. They, they pictured the sun shining down on them as they sat in the boat in the middle of the lake, the yank of the rod and the spin of the reel as they wrestled the bass into the boat, the smell of fish frying in the skillet over the open fire, and they could just they could hardly wait. And then finally spring break arrived. They loaded the camper and set out for the lake. They arrived at night, so they just set up the camper that night and went to bed eager to get up in the morning to start fishing. But that night, a nor'easter blew in, and the next morning, 
The wind was so strong that they could barely open the door of the camper. The sky was gray. The, the lake was choppy. There was no way for them to fish that morning, not in that weather. So they said to themselves, no problem, no problem. They would just spend the day in the camper. And they had brought Monopoly and a Reader's Digest. And they knew a few jokes. And, and it, it wasn't what they had come to do. But they would make do. They'd make the best of it and fish the next day. So they spent the day indoors. And as you can imagine, the hours passed slowly, but they did pass. And finally night came, and they crawled into their sleeping bags, dreaming of fishing. But the next morning, it wasn't the ice that made the door hard to open. It wasn't the wind that made the the door hard to open. It was the ice. It had gotten cold that night, and it was too treacherous to get outside. So... They tried to be cheerful about it. No problem. We can play Monopoly again. We can reread the stories and Reader's Digest. And and surely we know another joke or two. But they really weren't all that cheerful about it. In fact, as the day wore on, they began to get more and more irritable. It was a long day and a long night. And the next morning when they woke up to the sound of sleet, hitting the roof of the camper. They didn't even pretend to be cheerful. They were flat-out grumpy. They sat in misery the whole day, their fishing equipment still unpacked. And when the next day was even colder, they finally headed home. Three very disgruntled fishermen. But Max Lucado says that he learned an important lesson that week, not about fishing, but about people. He says, when those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. (laughs) When those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. And you know, that's true about fishing for fish or fishing for souls. When energy that is intended to, to be used outside is used inside, the results can be explosive. Instead of casting reels, we cast stones. Instead of being fishers of the lost, we become critics of the saved. Now, I want you to let those words sink in for a moment this morning. They're very important for the life of the church. When those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. Now, let's face it. The sad reality is that that most of us aren't all that concerned with fishing for people anymore in the way that Christ called us to be fishers of people. I I know we, we give lip service to bringing people into our church, but most of us gave up fishing a long time ago. Oh, yeah, we, we're willing to accept a fish if it leaps into our boats, but we're not really all that interested in casting our nets or doing the hard work that, that it takes to pull them in. But, you know, I think we, we would do well to listen to Max Lucado's warning. When fishers don't fish, bad things happen. You know the story of Jesus calling his earliest disciples. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net out into the lake because they were fishermen. And so Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And so they left their nets and they followed him. 
Going from there along the coast a little further, he saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they were in a boat with their father preparing their nets. And so Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and they left their father and they followed Jesus. What a great story that is. It's a beautiful story with a happy ending, right? They became faithful followers of Jesus and everyone lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. You see, if we turn over a little further in Matthew 20, verses 20 through 24, we read these words. Then the mother of James and John came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked him for a favor. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that one of my sons may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Remember that little story, don't you? But notice how the passage ends. When the other ten disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the other two brothers. Do you see what happened here? These disciples had forgotten all about fishing for people. They had already started struggling over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. So you see, it's true. When fishers don't fish, they fight. And this is a very important principle. For you see, as long as Christians are working together for a common goal, there's unity, there's harmony. As long as Christians are working together to accomplish something that they have in common, there's, there's unity and harmony. But, but when the work start, stops and the talking starts, so does the struggle over who is the greatest and who is the most important. And soon the church has lost its focus. We get upset over who gets to sing the solo in the choir. We get flustered if somebody new sits in our our seat in church. We get indignant if somebody else gets the position that we think we ought to get. And, And when fishers don't fish, they fight. Reverend John Fitzgerald tells about the church in the early days of our country back in 1770. Charles Woodmason was an ordained minister from the Church of England who had been appointed to the back country of North and South Carolina. Now, this part of the world had been settled mostly by Scotch-Irish Presbyterians. And this was just before the American Revolution. And Cornwallis had called this area a hornet's nest of rebellion. And in those days, the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Quakers were constantly arguing with one another about doctrine. But the last thing that any of them wanted was a preacher from the Church of England. So what could they do? Well, here's what they did. On his very first visit to the church, they all brought their dogs to church. Everybody who came brought their dogs to church. There were 57 dogs. I counted them, said Wood Mason in his journal. And when it came time for the sermon, the dogs were barking and howling and growling and fighting among themselves. And they barked so much that Wood Mason just gave up preaching altogether and went on home. But one of the dogs followed him home. And so later that afternoon, Wood Mason returned the dog to its owner and said, 57 souls came to church today, but I only had one convert, this dog. And so I'm now I'm bringing him home so that he can do some good among you. 
Well, from that day on, when, whenever there was a disturbance, Wood Mason would politely ask the folks from the other denominations, have you come to be converted? And people thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. But, but there was wisdom in that response. But here's the thing. Isn't it sad that Christians were arguing with Christians in the first place? Isn't it sad that Christians were arguing with Christians in the first place? It is sad. Folks, we don't have to be in complete agreement with one another to be able to work together, do we? No. And I'm proud that we have a a community of, of believers here in Henderson where churches from different denominations can put aside doctrinal differences and work side by side. I'm proud that on just this past Friday, I was able to share in an ecumenical service of unity with my Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, and, and disciples of Christ, brothers and sisters of different races. And I'm proud that our church... Community Baptist Church can work with our Presbyterian and Episcopalian and Disciples of Christ friends to provide a superb vacation Bible school each year. We have so much to do as the body of Christ that that we don't have time to waste bickering about things that in the long run don't make a hill of beans worth a difference. Jesus addressed this with the Pharisees whose legalistic rules were keeping people out of the kingdom of God. And he called them blind guides, hypocrites, straining at gnats and swallowing camels. In other words, like my Greek professor used to tell me, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. You're making such a fuss about things that don't really matter. when we ought to be focused on things that do. My friends, Christ wants us to make a difference in this community. Christ wants us to show this community that we are a caring people because Christ is a caring Savior. Christ wants us to model compassion and forgiveness and a passion for righting the wrongs of the world. So what does it say to the world if we can't get along? When fishers don't fish, they fight. But it's also true that when fishers don't fish, they run away. There's a story in Luke about a a fisherman, Simon Peter. It takes place while Jesus was being interrogated by the high priest. And and a servant girl saw Peter standing there by the firelight. and, And as she looked at him, she said, this man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it. Then a little later, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them, aren't you? But Peter said, no, I'm not. Then about an hour later, someone else said, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking that, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him earlier. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept. You see, Peter, the big fisherman, ran away when times got tough. And how often do do we do the same thing? My friends, when we lose sight of our call, we run away from every problem. 
I read recently about the, the turmoil um, that came to a large Baptist church back during the days of the Civil Rights Movement. To its credit, this church had been, been hosting an after-school tutoring program uh, for children who lived across the street in some government housing there. And, and one of those children was a little African-American girl named Twyla Fortune. She and her, her mother, Winifred Bryant, started uh, visiting Sunday school and worship at that church. You know, that ought to be a cause of, of rejoicing. Two fish had jumped out of the water and flopped into their boat. But unfortunately, in the eyes of some of the people in that church, they weren't the right kind of fish. They weren't the right color. They didn't belong to the right socioeconomic class. Nevertheless, after several years of visiting this church, Twyla told her mother one day that she was ready to make her profession of faith and she wanted to be baptized. And so Winifred contacted the pastor who came to visit. And on a Sunday morning in October of 1970, Twyla and Winifred walked the aisle of that First Baptist Church to present themselves as candidates for membership. But when they went forward, Twyla and Winifred were told that the First Baptist Church were not receiving members and that their application would have to be deferred. Well, after, after, over the course of the next several weeks and after many late-night discussions, their applications for membership were presented three times for the congregation to vote, and all three times they were denied membership. After their third refusal, a layman, Dr. Byrne Williamson, stood up in that service, and he said, I would like to talk with anyone who wants to be a part of a church who would welcome individuals like Twyla and Winifred. And something stirred within that congregation. 300 lay people stood up that day with Dr. Williamson, walked out of that church, and started a new church where all of God's people were accepted with love and with appreciation. Today, 44 years later, that church is still going strong. When I read that, I wondered if there's anybody that we would refuse to accept because, we do, because they do not conform to our image of who is the right kind of Christian. And I wondered who among us would have the courage to stand up against the majority and declare, it's not right. Or would we cut and run like Simon? My friends, when fishers don't fish, they fight. And when fishers don't fish, they run. There's one more thing that we need to say today, and, and that is that when fishers don't fish, they forget. In John 21, we see an interesting event in the lives of the disciples, and this takes place after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. Jesus appeared to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two other disciples were gathered together there. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they, they all said, I'm, we'll go with you. So they went out fishing that night, got into the boat, and all night long, they didn't catch a thing. Ever had a day on the lake like that? Now, why didn't they catch anything? Well, metaphorically speaking, it's because they were fishing for the wrong thing. They were fishing for fish. 
But Jesus had already told them that he wanted them to be fishing for people. And we understand that, don't we? It's a lot more fun to fish for fish than it is to fish for people. And fishing for people is hard. It's hard work. But folks, let's think about this. Let's think about it. I wonder if there could be any young adults in this community who are struggling with addictions of some kind. I wonder if there are any middle-aged adults for whom alcohol is their chief nemesis. Is there any way that we could reach out and minister to, to them? I wonder if there are lonely people in this community, maybe older people or shut-in people, and I wonder if any of them would like to have a a loving church to be a part of. Could there be anyone in this community struggling to make ends meet? Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they've lost their home. And I wonder if there are families who have been torn apart by divorce. I wonder if their children are hurting and need to be surrounded with love. And I wonder, as a, as a community of faith, is there something that we could do for them? My friends, when fishers don't fish, they forget their primary reason for existence. And what happens is that our comfort and our contentment and, and our complacency become more important than doing the will of God. When fishers don't fish, they fight. When fishers don't fish, they lose their courage and they run away. And when fishers don't fish, they forget what their primary reason for existence is. So folks, here's the challenge I want to leave with you today. Let's get back to our primary task, reaching out to and ministering to others, all others, because there's a lot of need out there, folks. There are a lot of fish out there, and we have been called to be fishers. So let's get on with it. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 312, Softly and Tenderly. There may be someone here today who would like to respond to this today. Perhaps God is uh, speaking to you in some way this morning. Um, Maybe God's Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you would like to respond in some way to, uh, to the stirring of God's Spirit in your heart. Perhaps you'd like to make a commitment to Christ this morning. Perhaps you'd like to uh, uh, become a member of our congregation this morning, or perhaps you would like to have a time of prayer this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that as we sing this song softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. You know, Jesus called those disciples those early days. Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John and all the others. Didn't mean that they were perfect after that. None of them were. There were problems that came up after that. But they became a community of faith. And that may be what Jesus is calling you for today. We invite you to come as we sing together, softly and tenderly. Maybe Jesus is calling you today. Would you come?
God, it is winter. The days are short. The darkness of our despair encroaches upon us. And yet still, you call us out of this darkness into your great light. The winds of our icy discontent swirl around us, threatening to freeze our faith and numb our courage. But you are our light and our salvation. Why should we be afraid? Let us go now into this cold world, warmed by the very presence of your Holy Spirit. Let us go in safety, for there is no place that God has not already been. And let us go in joy, for Jesus has already gone ahead of us, and we gladly follow. Amen. I'll get you one.